Hello, and welcome to Metachemistry. This is episode 33. In today's episode, we'll be debriefing a recent local tournament with the tournament winner. This was a series that was inspired by one of our Patreons, Azoka, who suggested we begin to consider interviewing uh, recent tournament winners. And while we were originally envisioning these being larger tournaments and interviews with champions from two-day events, we recognize that given the state of the pandemic, there's not a lot of large tournaments going on right now. And so we thought we'd follow up on some of the local tournaments, 10 to 20 person events, because we recognize that that's where most everyone's reality is right now. And there's something to be gained from that. But before I get into that, I thought I'd do a little bit of a broader commentary on the state of playing tabletop miniature war games. In particular, how healthy are they for us? See, I pulled this article from ESPN where it looks at the now established fact that when a chess player plays in a large scale tournament, they can burn immense amounts of calories. In fact, Robert Sapolsky, who studies stress in primates at Stanford University, says a chess player can burn up to 6,000 calories a day while playing in a tournament, three times what an average person consumes in a day. Based on breathing rates, which triple during the competition, blood pressure, which elevates, and muscle contractions before, during, and after major tournaments, Sapolsky suggests that grandmasters' stress responses to chess are on par with what elite athletes experience. Quote, grandmasters sustain elevated blood pressure for hours in the range found in most competitive marathon runners, Sapolsky says. It all combines to produce an average weight loss of 2 pounds a day, or about 10 to 12 pounds over the course of a 10-day tournament in which each grandmaster might play 5 or 6 times. So uh, if tabletop games can burn so many calories, I guess this begs the question, why are nerds so fat? But before we get into all of that, we want to take a moment to think, thank Mythic Games for sponsoring the podcast. Mo Games is an online supplier of all things Infinity. As part of its sponsorship of Metachemistry, Mo will be providing a discount code to its store available to all our patrons as well as a $40 gift card that will be raffled off to our community once a month. Make sure to like our Facebook page and join our Discord to ensure you are entered to win. What is better than games? Mo Games. So let's check in with our lineup for our episode tonight. Our lineup tonight is Ian, Devin, and myself. Let's start with Ian. Ian, what's going on, my man? Yeah, just kind of glowing in the, uh, the, the aftermath of the tournament. Uh... Now, spoiler alert, I actually won the tournament, so it's uh, been kind of cool because um, I've come in you know, pretty high rank in a lot of tournaments, uh, second, third place at a lot of local tournaments as well, uh, but this is the first time I've actually pulled uh, the first place, so felt pretty good. Yeah, that was awesome, and it, we thought it was just uh, enough of a... We were already wanting to start doing this series, and we had an in-house interview already lined up. So this is a way to uh, show respect to our most recent tournament winner here in Colorado Meta. So kudos to you, my friend. Thank you. Can't wait to debrief it with you. Uh, uh, how about you, my friend? Uh, mostly a uh, transition of uh, family illness and been a little bit more... Uh insular in my try and get more painting done haven't done as much as i would like but uh, been doing more stuff with my rpg groups online and things like that lately nice and do you have a theory you would like to posit on why nerds are so fat if playing games burn so many calories maybe the events aren't as stress inducing as the article entails <laughs> Ah, I beg to differ. See, the whole reason <laughs> I brought this up was this last week, I've been wearing a Fitbit. And Fitbit uh, is one of the steps trackers that you uh, you can get out there and it incentivizes you to 
get your 10,000 steps in a day and beginning of the new year, I need to, new year, new me, right? I need to drop some weight. I put on quite a bit over the last year. So I'm trying to get a little healthy. And uh, so I've been wearing the Fitbit over the last week. And along with steps, Fitbit also tracks a number of different things. Heart rate, O2, or oxygen levels, sleep patterns, calories. It can estimate calories. Did you get a sponsorship that we didn't hear about? Yeah, we didn't. <laughs> but my point is... So I've been playing around with it. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a mission-oriented guy. I like having a target to go hit. And so I was hitting my 10,000 steps throughout the week. And at the end of the day, I would look at the graphs and the charts and the numbers that were coming in. And it was, it was interesting to me because for a guy my size, who I just naturally burn a lot of calories because, just for being alive um, at base. If I just didn't do anything at all, just laid around i would burn two two thousand two hundred calories uh they say generally my someone my size would uh needs to consume three thousand calories to break even and i was noticing how every day i was coming in around th uh, three thousand five hundred maybe as much as four thousand calories burned with all the added uh, movement that i was getting in on a daily basis and then it came to Saturday when we had a local tournament and I was like, oh, uh, I was thinking about how I wasn't going to get my steps in because we were going to be playing all day long and it's pretty, you just standing around playing. So I made sure I got a morning walk in before the event. And then between each of the games, I tried to get in, sneak in some short walks. I walked for a half hour after the first game and 15 minutes after the second game, but nothing inordinate and came home anticipating that I wouldn't I would it would be tough to get to my 10,000 steps get home and I'm looking at the watch and looking through the numbers and Fitbit's telling me I burned 6,500 calories on Saturday hmm. okay so at that point I'm sitting there going this is impossible this thing's broken this there's no way this is real <laughs> But I started to dig a little bit deeper, and that's when I remembered of the 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 facts regarding of chess players burnt being notorious for burning lots of calories. Found that article. It says they mm -hmm. burn six thousand a day. I'm like, oh, that's curious. Then I started digging a little deeper into the numbers on my Fitbit for Saturday, and it can also it will track not just your movement, but when you moved, how many calories you moved during different sessions. It automatically recognizes if you've gone on a brisk walk if you just had moderate activity and it will it'll flag it uh tie it in with a uh, timestamp. and i look at the the timestamp and the log for for saturday and everything looks pretty normal it shows me going for my walk in the morning uh some moderate activity uh it shows registers my walk in between the two events but the thing that stuck stick sticks out the most is there are three blocks of two hours each where I burned 1,800 calories, uh, 1,200 calories and 1,000 calories in those three different blocks. And they absolutely corresponded and aligned with the, when the, the start and end times of our events. So not enough events then, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. <laughs> you just need to do okay. So we just need to start doing three to five tournaments a week, and there you go. That'll be your. We're gonna just shed weight like nobody's business. Isn't that wild though? I was That's like, I could not believe that. Just and it, it even was tracking how my heart rate was up in the fat burning and cardio zones for extended those t two hour blocks extended. Uh, maybe just because of the intensity, the concentration, the stress, the, you know, associated with like playing the game of infinity. Yeah. Kind of crazy. I thought that was crazy, but okay. Yeah. Maybe you, maybe you guys are like, oh, old <laughs> news, <laughs> new news, not interesting news. I mean, I saw the article you had mentioned, I at least read the headline. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I remember hearing about that, but yeah. didn't dig too deep. Yeah, it was like not very uh, credulous, right? 
Anyways, but, uh, Ian's workout last Saturday. Yeah, Ian. Ian got you got to work out yourself. So yeah. we got we're pretty. I'm pretty excited to check in with you on this because we thought this is a good chance to like hear from you, a first time tournament winner, what the experience was like, uh, how you prepped for the event, how what kind of um, focus you brought to it, what list you brought, faction you played some of the highlights of the day and just then maybe that will evolve into a larger conversation of just basic gameplay and theory um tactics and strategy mm -hmm. so cool. uh maybe you could give us a quick overview of the event that you participated in and 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 what you brought to the table that day so uh so the local event, uh, three games. The missions were acquisition, frontline, and mind wipe. And um, of those, uh, acquisition and frontline, pretty standard. Those show up in a lot of events. Mind wipe is one that I've only actually played a few times, so that was uh, kind of fun to do uh, something a little bit different. It's uh, on paper the mission seems like it has a lot going on, but once you actually get on the table, it's pretty smooth and it's, I, I like it um i like it a lot more than unmasking i'll, I'll put it that way mm. <laughs> um but um yeah so in preparation for this tournament uh to be honest uh i didn't um <laughs> this was kind of a last minute thing for me i uh it popped up um under what's normally the minimum for me to be able to request off from work to go to an event but uh, with the holidays uh, pushing everything around, uh, my ske the schedule hadn't been made yet. So I was able to kind of sneak that in and go, hey, 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 uh, schedule hasn't been made. Can I get this day off? And my boss said, absolutely. So I uh, said so it was about a la little bit of last minute on uh, me being able to go. And then as far as uh, making a list, uh, I did not tailor a list to this tournament. I pulled a list that has been sitting around in my army saved lists log for quite some time now that I was waiting for the models uh, to be released in order to play it because I didn't want to proxy an entire force. And so uh, I brought a Cosmoflot list and because, you know, I'm, Primarily Ariadna, and so I bring Ariadna to every event. And I, but I, I do do uh, sectorials instead of vanilla. And this is the first time that I've run Cosmoflot in an event. I've run all the rest of them at events, but this is the first time for Cosmo. And uh, the big holdup on me getting this list to the table was that the bear pods had not been released until this past November. And then uh, Verangian guards as well. We were waiting on some of those sculpts. So now that all of that stuff has been released, it's been built and is able to run the list. And I just happened to, I pulled it up and looked at it and looked at the missions and said, well, wait a minute, I can actually do all of these missions. I don't have to change anything. So uh, that was kind of a nice surprise. So I just kind of was like, all right, I'm going to run this list now. I'm going to preface this saying I did not have a lot of confidence going into this tournament because I didn't have a lot of time to prep. And on Thursday, two days prior to the tournament, uh, I played this list against uh, another local player up at the one of the local stores. And uh, this player, he's newer to the game. Uh, like He's been on and off for a while with it but uh you know relatively newer uh but he's picking things up pretty quick and he tabled me mm. like completely tabled me uh i killed a four point net rod <laughs> now that said the game was a one one draw because we did play mind wipe um and we each flipped a console but neither of us were able to get any further than that but uh he did completely table me so i'm I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, this list is not, maybe it's not that great of a list, but um, it sure is fun to play. So I'm just going to give it a shot anyway. Okay. So that's the, the background. 
Did the results from that Thursday game cause you to like question whether you should even bring the list or like you said, you just thought, Hey, this is fun. I'm, I want to get out to a tournament, get some games in, play a fun list that I haven't had a chance to try out. Yeah. It was, it was more of the second. I just wanted to, you know, throw it down, have some fun. Um, you know, obviously any game I'm going to try to do my best in, but like my focus going into this was, you know, not like I'm going to go for it and win. It was, you know, I'm, I'm going to see what happens. Um, you know, I said not, not feeling particularly confident in the list other than the fact that I know it's fun to run the list. Uh, it's got a lot, it's a lot of fragility to it. It runs out of steam really quick, uh, kind of thing. So, uh, if, if I don't get, ahead early and keep the pressure up uh it falls apart so i was expecting to kind of get run over depending on who i was going to be playing but yeah as far as what like what the list is uh, we're going to post the army code in the show notes so everybody can kind of take a look at that and follow along but um do you want to go over the list yeah maybe how about run through that for us just to, so we have some context behind what we're going to be discussing okay so I said it's a Cosmoflot list, and the list itself, uh, my goal with this, it, it's kind of a meme list, but it was how do I take as many bear podes as possible and put as many activations as possible in one list? And... Uh, this has some glaring weaknesses. It has almost no, actually, it does actually have no long range weapons. My longest range uh, weapon is uh, 24 inches for my good range band. I have no sniper rifles, no HMGs. I have a single AP Spitfire and an AP Marksman rifle for my longer range weapons. Uh, so it's, it's a very in your face list, kind of getting there fast. Uh, it does have a total of 25 activations with impetuous orders, tactical awareness, uh, and lieutenant orders. So, uh, to start off, my first group is the Polaris team that has the controller uh, with light shotgun that has to be purchased along with the bear pode that has the plus one damage, plus one burst chain rifle. Uh, grenades, smoke grenades, kind of that. Uh, this one's not impetuous, so it can get cover and boost it up to, you know, armor eight. So a little bit of a threat there. Um, total immunity on armor five, uh, also has dogged. So climbing plus berserk charges, like bears. I've been super excited for them. Now that I have the models and getting actually to run them, I needed to put these guys in. Um, then I took the other bear pod, the, uh, impetuous heavy shotgun, plus one damage one. So that's been, uh, you know, kind of put one on each side of the board and run them forward and just have them start murdering things is the idea. Uh, and then because I could, I threw in Mirage five. So I get a, you know, Duroc and get another, another bear or, you know, dog in this case and, you know, walking in, in the deployment zone as well as Margo. And then I've got a Zenit seven, with the AP Marksman rifle, chain of command, it has decoy, kind of hide that in the back, stick the decoy out to hopefully bait somebody doing an order or throwing a discover or something at that. And then um, a war core, you know, nice three-point order. A pair of Ermin Dehos with chain rifles for eight points. Uh, they're, these are my specialists because they're engineers. Uh but they have smoke grenades, D charges, chain rifles, and the booty roll. They can oftentimes get something that's pretty useful. So that's nice. Um, and then the unknown ranger for the 10th guy in this group, uh, the AP spitfire version. He's also a specialist operative, you know, has a bunch of potential there. My secondary group is four Varangian guards with chain rifles, smoke grenades, and heavy pistols. This is the nine-point profile that's exclusive to Cosmoflot. And William Wallace as my lieutenant. Turning all of those nice irregular orders regular. So, you know, and then along with that, um, his inspiring leadership also gives him access to the uh, free coordinated order using his lieutenant order every turn. As long as he's in it. So, it's just, this is designed, it just has, it has like, 10 models that can throw smoke. It has almost every model has 
two activations, whether that's tactical awareness or impetuous on top of their normal activation. It's a lot of the stuff moves very quickly. Uh, Unknown Ranger and Wallace move six inches on their first move. Uh, Bear Pose move uh, six inches on their first move. Like I have a lot of stuff that's just getting up the table really fast and under the cover of smoke if my opponent does not have MSV. So that's kind of the goal of the list is just to kind of just get up there fast, get in people's faces, um, kind of uh, what I, I joke about, and it does kind of work this way, is that if I get first turn, uh, you start first turn surrounded. Because I've got stuff just, it's uh, it's up the board more than halfway, and with Margo and Dora coming in, like you're just surrounded, and you, you're having to fight your way out. Uh, if I go second, I hide up, and then every order you spend coming towards an objective is one less order I spend getting in your face to kill you. Mm-hmm. So did you run into any long range MSV? Did you see those kind of obstacles? Yes, I did. <laughs> so um, <laughs> this is where things got sticky. So like I said, I wasn't super confident um, after taking that, that loss on the couple days prior. Uh, so we go in first missions on acquisition and I get paired up with, uh, Chris, uh, goes by Azoka and he is one of the top players in our meta. Uh, just for point of reference, he has placed in the top 10 at all three of the four corners events that happened last year. So he is a very good player and, you know, we've played a fair amount of times. Um, I have beaten him a couple of times, but I've had to work for those like really hard. So I'm like, I'm thinking, okay, going into this, I'm getting, I'm getting, you know, one of the top players right off the bat. And I'm just like, all right, I'm like, whatever. Like I, I see how today's going to go. And then we get to the table and it, this, it's a garbage table. Like, I'm just going to be honest. It was very open. It did not have a lot of terrain on it. And I'm just like, oh, man, like, I'm just going to get, like, wiped out. Um, and, of course, you know, he's playing uh, vanilla combined army. Uh, he's I love the fact that he ran a Skiavoros uh, for his, or not a Skiavoros, an anathematic for his lieutenant. Um, because it's something I rarely see anybody do anymore. But he did, and it was awesome. Uh, but he had a lot of flash pulses. Uh, and he was able to put a bunch of stuff up on buildings with the terrain and knowing kind of because I had to deploy first. I went first. So he can kind of see my stuff. Now, with the bears, they don't care about the flash pulses. They do care about plasma. And he's got a plasma TR bot, and he's got a Unidron with a plasma carbine, and he's got a... Um, uh, a Yaogat snap sniper with uh, MSV two and extra, and I'm just like, okay, great. This is gonna, this is like, I'm not gonna get anywhere. But I actually did very well. Um, I beat him ten to zero, and I was able to get up on the objectives right away, hunker down, and the rest of the list uh, by selectively throwing smoke in certain areas. Uh, I was able to block off a lot of his plasma. I was able to bring Duroc in and kind of take out some stuff on the one side, open up some routes of advance that way. Um, even though it's only MSV1, I did do a few instances of um, having the Unknown Ranger uh, shoot through smoke um, just you know, he could do something, but it would protect somebody else by doing it that way. And he wasn't, you know, he put some hurt on me, but not particularly great. Um, and, you know, he reveals the anathematic and he's coming at my guys and uh, the bears actually didn't get up and do a whole lot. They mostly just soaked up fire, which was fine. And ultimately it came down to the uh, anathematics coming up. And so Wallace uh, jumps off of an objective, dodges around a corner, and berserks into the anathematic. And, you know, I, I know he has a monofilament weapon. But I'm like, okay, I just got to take him out. So 
Berserk into him with the explosive close combat weapon. He hits me with the monofilament. I pass my save. I end up dropping him. I have two orders left, but he's got that Yaogat looking at Wallace. I'm like, I can't get him back onto the thing. And then I look at it, and with those two orders, I'm able to walk the war core off of a building <laughs> directly into that second objective and claim the 10-0. Wow. And it's a, I, I just, it was a great start to the day because everything going into this, I was like, this is not going to go well. Uh, you know, I'm not confident in my list. I'm playing against somebody that is extremely good and the table is not favor me in the least. And then to just hit that hard and just keep the momentum rolling. It was pretty good. Do you feel like there was a key turning point in that game? That's uh or a learning moment, teachable moment for yourself or something that's worthy of highlighting. Uh, I think it's just being cognizant of your options you know, and kind of just paying attention to things and not getting fixated on one part of the, the table versus another and kind of looking how, you know, okay, I'm not getting any headway here. Let me look over in another spot and see if I can, you know, if I can throw smoke there or if I can maneuver in a different area and, you know, swing around and how can I can exploit an opening in a different manner than, you know, instead of just, you know, trying to keep fixating on one spot when something's not working or when it's going to be very difficult to move up that that way yeah rather than being a t-rex you're like a velociraptor where you're just testing the fences yeah yeah i get you so you you took the win yep a big win because like you said chris very good player yes uh set you up then for your second game it obviously went well yes it did uh so in the second game i ended up fighting uh, against another guy, um, uh, Trevor, and he's another very good player. Usually, you know, scoring up and around the uh, the top, you know, top ten, top quarter of most of the events that he's playing in. And he's another. Um, he's a lot of fun to play. So I like testing lists. Um, that's kind of, we seem to like testing our lists against each other. And um, he comes at me. Um, we're playing frontline. He wins, he's going to go first. And we're playing frontline with, and he's running Hassassins. And he puts some hurt on me. He, you know, dropping some guys. Um, he ended up taking, you know, moving forward, um, taking out a decent amount of my guys. Um, I've got him pinned down, though, in a lot of respects. Uh, he has uh, El Jabel. Uh, impersonated up and I keep failing discover rolls against him. So I can't deal with him and it's turn two, and he uh, has Jobel go and he takes out Wallace turns around around the corner, takes out my Zenit. So he's taken out my Lieutenant. He's taken out my chain of command. So I go into my turn to, in loss of lieutenant and at that point um because i've actually had a lot of practice playing in loss of lieutenant which everybody should practice that because it becomes a very important skill almost all my guys are still an impetuous model or you know has two activations and i punished him severely uh those individual models start running up doing berserk charges you know different things like that and he goes into his turn three in retreat. Wow. And yep. As I hit him back that hard while I was in loss and he flips a couple of orders with his command tokens, you know, cancels a retreat state, you know, tries to take out Margo had walked on the board to take out um, some, some stuff. And, you know, he's trying to, you know, move this ghoul around to take out Margo doesn't happen. He doesn't have any more orders. Game ends, and we do up the scoring. And because um, in this this season, uh, Frontline has four classifieds. Uh, we each had gotten. No, he had gotten two classifieds. I had gotten uh, two classifieds and a secure HVT. And uh, I controlled the middle zone. 
and the far zone, I was half an inch out on controlling my near zone uh, with the BearPod controller, which was funny because it just shows like how fast and how far my list moves. And you know, in two turns, everything I had was you know halfway up the board or farther. So uh, end up final score on that, beating him eight to two. Big win. Yeah. Yeah. So in that. In that game with uh, with Trevor, um, were there any other um, like kind of advanced deployment units from his side of the table? Did that mess up your lanes of advance at all, or anything that uh, stood out that way? I know Hassassins can throw a lot of stuff in front of their for the bulk of their forces to stymie your advance. Uh, yes, he. In addition to Al Jabel, he had a, a forward deployed uh, Delami with Panzerfaust. He had um, uh, a hidden. De- I can't remember which hidden deployment model it was, but he had another hidden deployment model with a. Um, uh, I think he had a heavy rocket launcher on it, so that was a lot of fun. And then um, it's not forward deployment, but he had an Ayer with the uh, viral pistols and the marksman rifle. And that thing was a problem because it was, he was able to get it up and start gunfighting with me and had it in a position that I had a hard time digging it out. And I actually had to sacrifice one of the bear pods to get rid of it. Uh, I, mm-hmm. I berserk charged into it and took the, vi- all the viral shots and died. But uh, the IR ended up as a pasty smear on the ground. <laughs> But he definitely had some some decent amount of, you know, camouflage, infiltration, hidden deployment, impersonation screen to kind of slow me down a bit, um, which it did on the one flank where, you know, my my kind of my heavier stuff was, uh, but it did leave him a little more exposed on the other flank. Uh, he also had another... Uh, a camo infiltrating hacker the name escapes me at the moment but he had one of those over on that side but the that flank was a lot less defended because of that so i was able to kind of push up and take out some orders over there gotcha so it just didn't end up just because of how many activations you had it didn't really seem to to stymie your efforts too much yeah yeah Uh, and he did put he took a lot more models off um, than I lost in my first game, though. So, uh, you know, that and I didn't get a full 10-0 on it. So he did quite mm-hmm. well uh, in terms of that, uh, in of taking out my models. And the fact that he got both my lieutenant and my chain of command in the same turn with the same attacking model <laughs> was pretty awesome on his part. Yeah, it sounds like a, a pretty good assassination run for Aljabal. Yeah, but um, yeah, and that makes sense it, that that would be hurting quite a bit because that's kind of the double-edged sword of all of these troops is that a lot of times you're losing two activations mm-hmm. per model. Yeah. So yeah, I could see where that would hurt real quick. Okay, so then your final uh, game, you're at top table. Yep. I'm at top table and I am squaring off against the Salt Lake Showdown champion, you, Andrew. <laughs> Indeed. And, yeah. And so I'm actually pretty excited because every time we play a game, I feel like it's just kind of a fun time regardless. But uh, I'm also at this point, I'm like, okay, I mean, I've done, I've done well, but I'm, I'm fighting you, Andrew. And, you know, I said like, I've beaten you several times, but it is always a fight. Like it is, it is a, a knockdown drag out fight to, to scrape a win off of you. And we get into this and, um, we're playing mind wipe and I go first. And of course you counter deploy that was intruder with sniper rifle. Yeah. Yeah, so intruder with sniper rifle, camouflage with MSV2, and this thing is just like the bane of my existence. Um, that said, I feel like the terrain on the table we played on was beneficial to me because it was fairly dense. Yeah, I, there was not a really good spot to put that. I tried as best I could to put that sniper into a... I saw, I knew it was coming at me and I was like, oh shit. You're right. But 
yeah, I felt like that terrain, like you, you were able to use that terrain to your advantage. Yeah. So doing that and going forward, you know, throwing some smoke, trying to be very selective in where I'm putting it to block off certain models of yours. And, but unfortunately I still have to deal with that intruder because you, you did pop him out pretty early for ARO. So that at least let me plan around that. Uh, but there is the train was dense enough. I was able to hit off a few cautious moves and get into uh, flip over one of the consoles in order to figure out where your, um, which server I needed to destroy of yours. Uh, you know, through Duroc in the back, um, just kind of, you know, he took out a couple guys, but I just kind of left him there to be a threat, which you had to deal with. Um, but you threw McMurrow into him, uh, and they, they slapped at each other for a little bit until Duroc finally was victorious. Um, but I was fine with that because Duroc did what he needed to do and McMurrow became a non-entity for the game essentially, which was perfectly fine by me. I did not need that guy tearing through my lines. But that I was forced to make a lot of hard uh, decisions and like sacrificing models against you. Um, you know, like running one of the Varangians out into the open to get into chain rifle range to take out your intruder. And it was just one of those things like, I needed to do it. And it's like, well, this guy's going to die, but he's going to he's got to go for it. And eventually I was able to open up enough of a opening that i was able to do the 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 mad death ride of a <laughs> uh, vengeance from one of the ermandijos who took off down across the table walked into um one of the secondary and uh, servers and decharged it then you know looked and saw he had a good opening and ran across to the server that i needed and he decharged that to death and then i had just enough orders left to uh, run up behind your evader and try to decharge him, but he decharged me back and beat me by like what was like one point that on was, the roll. Yeah, and and annihilated the Armandijo, but that the Armandijo had gotten me, you know, the correct server plus a secondary server, and so that got me up a bunch of points. And at this point, like you know, you had to work to get you know you got up and you got your server or the console flipped, and. uh figured it out so you've got one point uh at that i'm sitting at like nine points because i've got the uh the classified and i've got an, and there's only the one server on top of a building that you got guys on that i haven't got so I'm, it's like nine one and you're sending all this stuff at my server and i'm just like beating it back and fending it off and just having to throw stuff at it and um and it was working pretty well and then you get that evader that survived, comes all the way up the board, and he does, and you know he doesn't quite have enough to get to my server, and so I have one more turn to try to put him down, and like I bring Margo on, and I'm tr I'm shooting you with good range in the open shots from Margo with her AP rifle, and I'm getting hits, your passing armor saves, and your failing guts around corners. Wallace comes out with his T2 rifle, same deal, hitting hits, and you're just passing the armor saves, and failing guts around the corner, and I'm, I'm out of orders, there's nothing I can do, and you run him around with your last couple orders, you gun down Margo, and then you're able to, because of the angles, like you just able to get to that, my, my server, you decharge it and take it out and you know, okay. So, so now it's like, you know, seven to four and you get, you know, your last couple orders and you run over to the secondary server and you're going to get that point and it's going to drop. It's going to be like six, five and you drop that last decharge on it. And I made the one save to, so that you didn't destroy it. And the game is over maintaining the seven, four win. And it was, it was cool. It was really intense. I think we just both really lined in on what we needed to do to, to win with our particular pieces. I'm like, I have to kill this guy and I couldn't. And then you were able to, to just get those extra points. And even if at that point you couldn't win, it was the fact that, you were going to be able to to pull it into you still getting two tournament points for having a close loss at five or more objective points. Yeah. And, and it's just that one die roll that kept that particular thing from happening. 
Yeah, it was the the score ended up being way closer than the game actually was. I felt like you yeah. kicked my ass pretty pretty bad throughout the whole game. Um like no denying that. Yeah. I feel like one of the things that was ch- is challenging about that list that you were r- were running is mm. um I mean, like when I look back on it I go Th- that list, I don't know. It needs to go first. I I know yeah. you can you can hide with it if you go second, but there's enough. Like I knew going into that game that I didn't have. I was actually pretty nervous because I was like, I don't have a lot of tools to deal with all those bears. <laughs> I the one of the best ways to deal with bears is just volume in mm-hmm. the in your own active turn. But defensively, most of what I'm throwing out there are Panzerfaust, which the bears kind of neutralize their yeah. threat because you're only scoring one uh, wound at best on with with one of those Panzerfausts. But also. They don't care about adhesive. They don't care about a lot of the stuff that I was running. But like more broadly, I'm like, gosh, if I could go first, I could, mm-hmm. I could do some damage here because I've got enough stuff that can get on you quick. But when you when you uh, won the role and, and elected to go first, I knew I was in bad shape. Because and and I think it's because you've got so much pressure coming forward. That mm-hmm. you, I have to kind of defend that. I have to contest with w- with some degree of volume coming from my links, even if it's just simple um, combies and spitfires and that sort of thing. But yeah. also, but then in doing that, it's really hard to defend your DZ from from Durok. Like there, I knew you were running Durok. I or at least I assumed, <laughs> but. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was just no way I could cover all the angles and protect against the bears um, steamrolling me. So it was a very challenging list that you threw at me. Like I felt like, yeah, it was. And then just you played so good. You just you really kicked my butt. All all it wasn't even that close. I don't think. No. Yeah, it, it's a, it was definitely. Um, I think one of our like score wise it, it got a little close but as far as what I was putting down like I was dropping your guys left right and center and if my guys were dropping it was generally because I was purposely sacrificing him to take out something of yours yeah totally I mean I remember I, I wanted to try to contest those Ermandinos because they were the only thing that could push the button mm-hmm. um, and I wasn't able to you were able to like cautious move past some stuff and yeah yeah i mean in the end just well played by you man thank you for sure Uh, Devin, you got any questions for ian yeah i'm just kind of interested to hear like after seeing how that turned out with a, a handful of rapid fire games do you think that you would have done something different with your list in retrospect. Like obviously what you had worked at the time, mm-hmm. but were there any particular deficiencies that you saw or things that like, I really wish I had these tools or this wasn't as useful as I thought it might be and things that you would kind of change because of that. Not really. Um, Cause unfortunately this list is tuned down so tight that um, I, I think it's, 298 points and three and a half SWC. So like there's room for wiggle, but there isn't room for wiggle because anything, uh, anything that I have does not have a profile that I can upgrade for those two points. Mm-hmm. And anything that I'm going to change is going to, it's going to drop my activations. Uh, because I mean, you know, I'm going to put something else in there, but I'm going to have to take two models out, kind of thing. Uh, that was a consideration with Mindwipe. I thought about changing something out and putting a war driver in to get the Uber Hacker order. But when I was looking at it, it was a situation of I would have to, I would lose three orders to gain two orders, kind of thing. So I would still sure. be down an order. And ultimately, it wasn't a big deal to me not having a hacker in mind wipe, even though it's kind of geared towards that because when I was looking at it, um, your options are, it's like you use the, uh, the, the server 
or data erasure program, mm-hmm. or you use a CC attack that's anti-material, or a D-charge. Yeah. Well, I've got two Armandios with D-charges. I've got two bears with DA close combat weapons. I've got yep. Wallace with an explosive close combat weapon, and the Unknown Ranger has a T2 close combat weapon. Those are all anti-material, and uh, they're all actually relatively fast. So, and mm-hmm. every one of them except the Unknown Ranger also throws smoke. <laughs> so, like, Pretty I, was looking, I said, I, I have the option to get there. Uh, in addition, the Bears with Climbing Plus um, becomes a situation that if I were able to run those up, uh, and see the server, I could get a berserk charge off right up the side of a building, swing on it, and you know, critting on like 16 pluses doing that uh, at damage 18. And the servers are armor four. It was just a situation, it's like, yeah, the serv- if I do that, the server is going to have to roll 15 pluses in order to contest those. It's not great odds. Um, the thing that I think surprised me over the course of the three games was actually how little the bears themselves actually did on the table. And it wasn't that Mm -hmm. it wasn't that they just, you know, tried things and didn't, it didn't happen. It, you know, what, what they hit died, what they got into and their objective was, uh, they took care of. It was the fact that they actually didn't end up being kind of the focus of my push. It was the wall of Varangians and Ermandijos and all these other smaller models uh, were the ones moving up and doing the work and killing the opponent. And the bears end up being kind of more of a distraction and uh, focus of the, my opponent trying to take them out before they could do something because, and you have to, because mm-hmm. they are that dangerous. Yeah, there's certainly a big threat. Like, you cannot yeah. play against that list and not, like, factor in how am I going to deal with Duroc, Margo, and those two bears. Like, yeah, they're, uh, I mean, it, it says something that, that uh, William Wallace and the Unknown Ranger are kind of secondary. Like, you just, yeah. you, you don't even, like, factor those two in as primary things that problems that you have to solve you you have to solve the bears and duroc and margo like mm-hmm. um says something about how many threats you have in the list mm-hmm. for yeah, sure just coming at you from all directions from all directions for sure i think the list is would struggle going second uh but, against yeah. a really good player like yes yes um as I was kind of thinking through the, the, the tournament and the games afterwards, you know how you always kind of internally mm-hmm. debrief. Uh, like I know in our game, my options go through the roof in terms of what I could potentially do if I had gotten first mm-hmm. turn. Um, but man, you score that first turn and it is tough. It is tough to hold off. Um, yeah. Like for sure. Yeah, and Wallace being whip fifteen is you know, I mean, you still have to roll higher than your opponent, but having that little bit higher threshold does help in a lot of cases to get that first turn. Yeah, totally. Pretty significant in Ariadna. Like, do they have any other whip fifteen lieutenant options? No, nope. I can't think of any offhand. No, almost yeah. the entirety of Ariadna is twelves uh, and thirteens for their whip. Um, yeah. Wallace is a 15 and th- as far as the stuff that's 14 not lieutenant options. <laughs> yeah. Uh how often or did you at all? And I know you haven't been using fire teams as much. Mm-hmm. But with the Varangians and Wallace being all in the second group, did you find chances or did you see use out of running them as a core team together or did you just not bother and let everybody be impetuous instead? Um, I didn't bother and I let him be impetuous. And that was kind of the plan um, at mm-hmm. the, from the start. And uh, the reason for how I was running them was, you know, if I put them in a core, I lose four activations. Uh, actually, I lose five activations because I'm losing the four impetuous orders from the Varangians. And then Wallace doesn't get to use his lieutenant order because I don't have NCO. So I lose five mm-hmm. activations doing that. And what my plan was is I actually spread the Varangians out across the board. And 
they're running up and they're throwing smoke, covering each other's models, uh, you know, kind of thing in their routes of advance. And then I get to that group and I have another five regular orders in it plus Wallace's lieutenant order. And I do a, you know, coordinated order, move them up. I'm counting on these guys that they're going to be dying. This is just a fact. Um, but once I get them kind of close enough, it's not a big deal that for like, if one or two guys are left and don't have orders, cause with the impetuous and where they're going to be positioned on the board, they still have options to threaten my opponent. You're um, just basically using them like you, you would use a war band, but essentially. Yeah. yeah. Um, and once, and they, they go down pretty quick, but then the goal is, you know, I spend a command token once I lose somebody and I pop Wallace into the main group where then he can start using coordinated orders there. But I like using his inspiring leadership coordinated order with the Varangians and having that pool of five just for that sole purpose of laying down a huge smoke blanket and getting them up into a position where, you know, whoever ends up surviving can kind of just be on their own with, you know, the one to two activations that they'll have left once Wallace joins the main group. Uh, and I don't, I I've thought about, you know, putting Wallace in the main group to start putting something else in their group, but it, I don't think it would be necessarily as um, effective or as efficient doing it that way. Um, but you know, maybe something I'll play with at some point. Yeah, that's fair. And I wouldn't expect it to be in a core very often. I was just kind of curious, like if there were circumstances where that was valuable, because it doesn't benefit very much from the fire team bonuses. No, uh, since I mean, that's four dudes with chain rifles and Wallace with a rifle. Yeah, like, sure. Wallace could appreciate it, but that's mostly it. Yeah. Uh, um, the, if, you do get more movement, but it's more localized. Yeah, it's focused. Mm-hmm. It's focused movement mm-hmm. rather than across the board, like Ian was saying, encircling your opponent rather than it's like more piercing if you mm-hmm. use if you use the core to advance. It's it's similar to how you can run Wallace with um Galwegians in, in yeah. Cal Caledonia. Yeah, like it's you, pretty you can, much you the can, same. Yeah. Like they're basically uh Varangians, especially the the Cosmo exclusive nine point profile, um is basically a Galwegian that's better because it's a regular order, even if Wallace isn't around, uh, as well as it having armor two and uh, uh, Berserk plus three and, you know, a few other things, but like it's the same profile, just better. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I thought um, in our game, what I saw in you and your play was you really stayed sharp on mission you did not get distracted. There are a number of different times where you could have started getting a little kill hungry. Mm-hmm. Whenever you were trying to kill me, you were always killing me with a purpose. Um, mm-hmm. I also saw you doing a really good job of identifying potential threats. Not only were you like identifying your win condition and what you needed to do to score points, but then you were uh, quickly assessing what my win condition was and trying to take those things away or take them off. Uh, yeah, I thought you like the, the choices you were making were good throughout. I thought that was very noticeable from my, my point of view. And then I just thought um, you took advantage of that terrain. I didn't, I, you know, I was grumping about that uh, hmm. table uh, with you most of that game. I I allowed it to get into my head a little bit, but I thought yep. you used it to to your advantage, and mm-hmm. yeah, just um, we just well, well played for sure. Uh, I'm curious going forward, how does this change things mm-hmm. for you? Like you 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 got your tournament win, your first one. Mm-hmm. It was well earned, hard fought. It was not a gimme, like you said. You went through some tough. Competition. Yeah. Well, and like I said, the 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 strength of schedule that I faced at this tournament was top notch, start to finish. Um, this is not a situation um, that like I have encountered at some other tournaments where I, I've been paired up against you know a, a relatively new player or inexperienced player for the first round or two and get an easy win. This was you know I I fought against people that 
I respect as players that I like to test lists against if I'm going to a tournament because I know that they're going to put me through my paces on that. And then to get that just one, two, three in a row on that and, and looking at it and it was just like, wow, like, like of the people that attended the tournament, I got paired against the three top ones. So that felt pretty good that that happened and that, you know, even though this is a smaller tournament, you know, a local tournament, the, the pedigree of the players I was facing meant that, you know, the, the, the ultimate win was, you know, pretty valuable in my opinion. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Well, congratulations, sir. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well played. Uh, it was funny that we were thinking of doing this series and the first tournament uh, winner was someone from within our our own little tribe here. Yeah. <laughs> Good deal. We're going to um, then transition to wrapping this thing up uh, with some final thoughts. But before, um, before we get to our final thoughts, we want to remind you of Patreon. You can support the podcast by becoming a patron. Not only does it help us out, but it grants you a number of benefits, such as access to extra content. Um, 100% of any funds gets put right back in the podcast. So find a link to our Patreon page in the show notes, as well as a link to our Discord channel. And uh, speaking of Discord, come join our community. Um, We love having you guys on board. Appreciate all the feedback, the discussion, the hobby time, the the games it's just been a a great treat to have our discord channel and it continues to grow week by week so we'd love for you who are listening right now and haven't tried out discord uh, give us a shot Uh, we'd love to uh, meet you virtually and uh, have you part of the team so with that said dev and ian what are your final thoughts we'll start with you ian final thoughts on this are that this has been pretty cool uh, and pretty pretty happy with and excited about getting this win. Uh, but I'm already looking forward to, you know, where next. And, you know, obviously we'll probably have a few more local tournaments, you know, coming up. Uh, nothing scheduled right now. But, you know, come this uh, spring, summer, I'm already looking forward to, you know, if I can get uh, get the time off going to Salt Lake again. And, of course, we're going to have the Krug in Denver again so uh looking at going to both of those if i can definitely the krug that one's a given but uh you know just seeing if uh i can up my game a bit and score even higher uh at one of those tournaments than i have in the past absolutely Devin, how about you final thoughts yeah well just want to say congratulations again on the tournament win that's super exciting stuff i don't i don't make it out to as many tournaments as i might like so I know that's uh, it's definitely a big accomplishment. I mean, you make it to more than I do, but I think that's really cool. Oh, did you get your your tournament patch? Yes, yes. So, so I actually have a legitimate one that I earned instead of one that you know happened and <laughs> come in a ITS box that I bought to get a model. Uh, so yeah, how many of those? <laughs> oh, I do have a decent amount of those. I was going to say, I, I feel like you buy most tournament packs. Yeah, well, because I like the, the models and I want to get the patches and stuff, <laughs> you know, the, the, the unit patches. But now I have a legit one that I earned. Yeah. Put like a little green stamp on that one. Yeah. Like this one's a, a certified win. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, final thoughts for me. Uh, first of all, just, yeah, congratulations, Ian. Um, I think you've been putting in a lot of work and I think it shows uh, increasingly over the last six months, I would say, um, uh, really coming off of Salt Lake and the the performance that you had there. And you, I feel like you've been building momentum since then. So uh, props to you on that. And then, um, yeah, just throw this out to the wider community. We are interested in interviewing other tournament winners. Uh, like I said, initially we were conceiving of doing this with major tournaments, but we recognize there's not as many going on. So especially to our Discord, 
If you know of a local event that you've had recently, or if you have a someone who uh, wins a tournament in the coming months and you think that they would be an interesting conversation and something where the larger community could learn from their win and how, how they think about the game and approach uh, tournament play, we'd love for you to pass on their information to us. Um, definitely we'll consider any that are recommended and uh, look forward to continuing this series. But until then... On behalf of Metachemistry, this has been Andrew, Devin, and Ian, and that's the meta.